Brothers, sisters, respected viewers, Assalamu alaikum jami'an wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. And thank you once again for joining us in our series, Life, the Islamic Answer. As you will remember, we were discussing the ingredients that make someone an effective learner in Islam. And given that we're starting a little bit late and we're going to be cut short, so I will skip the recap for today, inshallah. The, the, the subject matter that we've covered is clear. So today, inshallah, we want to uh, cover a topic that we promised that we would cover a little bit earlier, uh, which is simply to mention a number of books very quickly in summary. A number of books in the rahmatullah in the Western tradition, in the uh, uh, English-speaking world, in the Western tradition, that have to do with listening, because when we spoke about listening, we said that clearly, and we spent uh, a couple of lectures discussing listening. We said that listening is not to be understood as something superficial. It has many layers, it has specific skills that need to be learned. It is as important to become a good listener and requires as much, if not more, as we will see today, effort to become a good listener as it is, for instance, to become a good speaker. And we know that speaking is not something that you just are born doing, something you learn and you can perfect and it's an art and it's a science. And the more you practice it and the more you understand its rules, the better you become at it. So when we spoke about listening, we said that the same thing applies to it. And we went in a couple of lectures through a number of hadith to look at what our religion has said about listening from different points of view. So we said that we would complement that discussion with also a number of things that have been mentioned in the Western tradition, as we did with other ingredients, to show that, you know, even if you want to look at it just from a rational point of view, you see that this is the same thing that is said. And uh, the conclusions that we have reached Islamically are no different than the ones that reason has reached on its own. In fact, we believe that the ones that are mentioned Islamically are superior, but at least we're trying to show that there is an alignment there. And so for anyone who wants to study the question a little bit more, then you are going to have resources uh, that uh, at least these are the ones I'm aware of, and I'm, I only mention books that I have read, so I can speak to them. So these are a number of books related to this field. Some of them go beyond just listening, as you will see. Uh, but all of them definitely have a very big focus on listening and some of them a little bit more than listening. And so the idea here is just to focus on the main points from every book. And then also, and I don't think I'll have time to do it myself, but inshallah, you can draw the parallels between what you're hearing here and what we said in our couple of lectures when we spoke about listening. So... I believe I have 10 books or 11 books. Consider those 10 plus 1 bonus. So the first book that we have is called uh, The Lost Art of Listening. So I would say this is the, as a first book, and I will put them in kind of a few buckets or a few categories. The first category is if you just need a, a simple introduction to the topic, a book that introduces the topic of listening, 
this is perhaps one of the uh, good ones. It's called the lost the lost art of listening. How learning to listen can improve relationships. And the author uh, is Michael uh, Michael P. Nichols, uh, 2009 book. So he's a professor of psychology, and he wrote this book called The Lost Art of Listening. So already from the title, you can tell the general tone and that this is something that people need to work on a lot and that listening is an art. All of that is already in the title. The focus in this book is definitely about human relationships. He says because people don't have the basic skill set to become a good listener, as a result, their relationships in life are going to suffer. So your connections with people. So that is definitely going to show in your closest relationships. So as a couple, in the family, and close friends, he shows that this is going to have very negative repercussions on your life. And then beyond that, because really as human beings, our influence is always through other human beings, including, for instance, at work, including out there in the world. And so he constantly comes back to show this, but the focus is more on the more meaningful relationships of our lives. And so he spends some time explaining that relationships in our lives, they start with listening. They don't start with speaking. That's how the beginning of a relationship starts. And so, as we said, he focuses on family relationships. He spends a bit of time explaining that what we call listening actually breaks down into a lot of aspects. And those aspects, all of them are very important human needs. So some of these aspects, for instance, are to feel heard. As a human being, you want to feel that you are heard, that you are seen, that you are heard, that you are noticed, that what you say matters, right? That you are recognized, that you are respected, and so on and so forth. The more you have this feeling in life, the more fulfilled you're going to feel. And the less of this you're going to have, the more alienated the more disconnected you're going to feel to the point where, and so this is where he goes to, the types of escape. You know, the reason why people are going to watch so much TV, the reason why people are going to try to uh, entertain themselves. In fact, as we know from other fields, the reason why sometimes people end up, you know, being part of a gang or, or criminal organizations or because suddenly there is someone who cares about you and who gives you responsibility. And so you feel like you're heard and you're seen and you exist and you're important in that world. They depend on you. Don't let them down, right? If this is not happening elsewhere, then it's going to happen in those other areas. That's all connected. Okay, so that's all the important of listening. So you have to feel like there's someone listening to you. Otherwise, it leads to trying to find ways to escape from these situations. Okay, and so then he spends a little bit of time talking about the difference between hearing and listening. So everybody hears. We have ears and our ears are functioning, so you hear what is being said, but are you actually listening? And so he explains that listening requires focus and requires effort. It doesn't just happen on its own. You have to have the energy and the focus. You have to will to listen. Okay, and then, and I think this is perhaps uh, the more interesting part of the book, it's definitely this one. He talks about his own way of understanding the four categories of listeners, the four types of listeners. So basically three of them are the ones we don't want, and one of them is the one we want. 
So make sure that you don't fall into any of these. And of course, there's whole chapters to explain each one of these. So one of them is the one who already knows everything. Okay, so when you listen to someone, but really you think that you already know everything there is to know about a topic. So when you're listening to them, you're not really listening to learn anything. Even though they may be telling you something new, if you were really listening, because you've blocked it off, you already know everything. So that's the first type of listener, the one who knows everything. The second one, we can call it the bobbling head. So the bobbling head is the person who's not really listening, but they just nod and say yes, as though they are listening. And there's a component of that, and this is, by the way, a theme that comes back in pretty much every book. Um, it's a social convention. When someone talks to you, you want to give them the impression that you're listening. It's a polite, respectful thing to do. So you want to nod and you want to say, yes, I am hearing you. Everything you're saying is going in. When in fact, you're not really focused on anything they're saying. It's just, you know, the polite thing to do. But you're not listening. So your, your head is bobbling, but that's it. There's no listening actually going on. The third type, those who focus on the beginning and wander off. And here I would like to add or who are selective and they wander off. So basically there's something that is said and then that triggers a thought, it triggers a memory, it reminds you of something or it triggers you know, your mind to wander off somewhere else and that's it. For, so the, the rest of the conversation or the rest of the speech that is being said is completely being missed because your mind is now somewhere else. Okay, so sometimes this happens. The classic way is, you know, at the beginning of a speech or beginning of a lecture, then there's something, a hook, right? And then you're you're off on your own tangent. Okay, but I would add to this, this can happen at any point and it can happen repeatedly. Okay, and this is perhaps something that a lot of us experience during prayer too. But anyways, that's uh, perhaps different because in a lot of cases, I think what's happening in the prayer is not necessarily connected to something we're saying or doing. Our mind is just wandering. But this is, by the way, a huge, huge problem. And I think it's getting worse by the day in today's society. And we have to be very aware of it. We're all impacted by this. And the younger you are, the more impacted you are by this. Not because of your age, but because of what you grew up with. And this is your ability to focus for a sustained amount of time. Okay, as opposed to lose your attention. And our constant use of today's technology, especially social media, especially social media and the way it's constructed, means that you don't need to have, you're never trained to have sustained attention. There's nothing in today's world that makes you exercise, that makes you practice focusing your attention on one thing for any amount of time. And so, you know, take any of the big social media platforms as an example. How quickly do you move from one item to the next? You know, if you're on TikTok, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, how long is your attention span there before you need the novelty, before you need the next item? If compare this to, for instance, listening to a theoretical abstract lecture like mine for an hour or an hour and a half, Right? Same monotone speech for one hour, one hour and a half. I'm not using any graphics. I'm not jumping up and down. You're not moving. You can't scroll left, right, up, down. You're stuck listening. This is a good test. How long can you sustain your attention for? You keep your focus on the one thing and you stay on the same amount of focus during that whole time. This requires focus. It doesn't happen. 
Okay, a, a little child, maybe their attention span is going to be a few seconds, right? And this is something you work on. And only later in life, because of a lot of practice, can you sustain your attention. There's a lot of studies about this. Inshallah, we're going to come back to it later. I have more to say about this. And we can go through a couple of statistics that are really shocking about today and where we are as a society and how much on average people are able to sustain their attention. A goldfish is able to sustain its attention for nine seconds. Today's average in society is eight seconds. That's the full focus when you do uh, these are psychological studies eight seconds is the time people focus on one item and then you know they're expecting their mind wanders their mind is expecting to move to something else okay so this requires a specific uh, effort on our part to to work on uh, an area definitely we need to work on and so he he finishes off the last part is the active listener so the listener who is actually truly listening throughout the conversation, learning with an open mind, and so on and so forth. So that's the first book. I have to go a lot faster, given the time. Okay, so we said that's kind of the first very high-level introduction. The, these two next books, I put them in another category, more sophisticated introductions. Okay, so this next book is called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy, 2020. You're not listening, what you're missing, and why it matters. So, again, the book begins, and this is a theme, and I'm going to come back to the last book I'll talk about will we'll, we'll address this. Listening is a lost skill. So see a pattern. Lost skill, especially because of, and this is the, the I think the interest of this book, is that it's more up-to-date. It's a 2020 book. So because of online, social media, communications, cell phones, and so on and so forth, uh, so in any in any case, there's a lot of study, a lot of science to, to back up this, that it is a lost skill in general, and we're losing it faster and faster because of our constant use of technology today. The uh, other areas in this book, very interesting. So they talk, for instance, about if you go to the financial sector, the commercial sector, how you compare companies who are listening to people when they're building their products versus those who are not. And then you see a huge difference, those who actually use. And so she starts to focus on those who are the best, who lead the focus groups, the best facilitators in the world when they bring people together and they do focus studies, focus groups. What are the skill sets that they use to be able to really understand, really identify what are people saying so that they come back to the company and tell them, this is what people want. Build that product, give them that service, and they will come and get it. Okay? The other part of the book, again, very interesting. The, they talk about the top negotiators and investigators of the CIA and the FBI and what are their techniques to really listen, to really see what when someone is saying something, what are they hearing? What are they looking for? How much more do they understand than just a superficial you know, layer, just the words? What else is being said in that communication? Okay, And the key here, they tell them, is that uh, there is a genuine curiosity. What they teach them is to be extremely curious so that every little detail, mentioned or not mentioned, should trigger more questions and you learn how to dig into it to go get the information that you want. From the world of couples therapy, you see how, for instance, 
for those sessions of therapy, they teach them that the communication or the listening has to happen with less presumptions. Remember, the one who already knows everything. And so this actually works. They say, why does couples therapy work? What's different? In a lot of cases, the same questions are asked. The same discussion is happening. The same topic is discussed in another setting. Why does it work more in the therapy setting than it does elsewhere? So part of it is there's less presumption. The person asking knows less about you. So they're actually listening to what you're saying as opposed to having assumptions. I already know who you are. So I already interpret. I just need maybe one or two words. If that, I already know what you're saying and who you are and what that means. As opposed to someone who doesn't really know you. So they have to listen more to try to get to know you with the answers they're giving. For instance, that's one. So there's also, it forces more discussion. Um, and usually that discussion, because you don't know the person, see the key here is less presumptions, less assumptions. Because of that forced uh, discussion, usually the discussion is going to unfold in a different way, in a different path than the one that would usually happen with people that you know. There's a lot of what they call the confirmation bias. I'll come back to it, inshallah, later in the series. Um, so uh, listen to each person. Okay. Uh, asking sound questions. So we talked about the importance of questions. Uh, so here, there's a, a whole section in the book. Don't ask questions that you're, that support your point of view. Focus on what you what is being said, as opposed to always looking for what you already know and uh, constantly looking to confirm what you already know. Uh, research showing how we all crave attention, so that's important. So from a psychological point of view, we're all constantly craving attention. So that's why, for instance, in our religion, there's a constant push to try not to make it about you because there's a tendency to go there. If you're not aware of it, it'll happen on its own. And so that even shows when you're listening. When you're listening and you react, there's a way to react where it's about you as a listener. When in reality, it should not be about you. It should be about the speaker or what they're talking about, depending on the topic. Right, But if you're doing it in a way, for instance, when someone talks and someone cracks a joke, well, that's a attention-seeking because the joke has nothing to do with what was said. It doesn't contribute to what is being shared. It contributes more to the person who said the joke and getting the attention and getting the laughs and getting the uh, basically the spotlight back on them as opposed to what is being said. That's just a quick example. Okay, so, and then... The ending of the book, listening is hard work, and it's a very rare skill today, but it's highly beneficial to ourselves and those around us. The other book that also falls on this, The Sophisticated, More Sophisticated Introductions by Mark Goulston, 2015. Uh, it's called Just Listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Everyone or Anyone. Yeah, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. So very quickly... The idea of listening well starts with uh, uh, eliminating resistance, okay? And so this happens by letting the person know that they are actually being heard. So this is much more for human interaction, okay? The person has to feel like they are really being heard. Otherwise, they're not going to communicate their message in the same way. So this is where we start talking, and this is a huge, huge theme, but empathy and everything that is written around listening with empathy and what empathy means. I'm going to put talk about that in the next category. Okay, so you want to make sure that the person feels like you are giving them a chance to fully express themselves. 
Um, when we feel heard, the author says, then we are receptive to hear others. And that's the key. Before you speak, because when you speak, you want to make sure that the person is hearing you. So in order to set the tone so that the person hears you when you're going to talk, you have to first start by giving them the, the impression, the feeling that they are heard. When they are heard, then they are much more prone to listening to you when you are going to talk. Okay, so it starts with listening. It doesn't start with speaking. You establish that trust first. You create that environment and then they will give it back to you. Otherwise, again, the same theme that we had before, the person feels isolated. Okay, um, the book, very interesting. You're going to connect that to something we'll say later. The author writes, listening is the highest, most sophisticated part of our brains. Okay, so when we look at all the parts of the brain, the part that, you know, evolutionary uh, parts, if you want to look at them that way, which parts appeared last or that are the most sophisticated, the parts that we don't share with any other animals, or if we share, we share the least of it with other animals, for instance, is the part that is focused on listening, that activates most when we listen, which tells you a lot, which tells you that basically it requires the most effort on your part. This is the part you need to do, you know, calculus and trigonometry in math, right? It's the most abstract part of your brain, your ability to bring in a lot of information and synthesize. This is the part that activates when you are really listening. So that already tells you that this is an activity that requires a lot more energy than we may think. We may think it's simple. You know, if the information is going in, I'm listening. No, you're not. Because this is not all going on right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, to understand, we must first examine our own feelings, our own biases. And so this is where you constantly have to make sure what, how is the information that you're receiving being filtered into your mind, into your frame, into your world. Okay, otherwise the information gets distorted. The third category, this is a little bit more in line with today's culture. So the books, a few books that are a little bit more buzzwordy, a little bit more aligned with what's happening in the culture. Uh, so the first one from Julia Cameron, 2020, uh, The Listening Path, The Creative Art of Attention. Okay, interesting book, but I would put, you know, I consider one aspect or other of all of these books a little bit more new age there's something about them that is a little bit more you know modern in this sense uh, but if i'm mentioning them it's because there is something relevant and useful and that can be learned from them so uh, she talks about very quickly i'm not gonna give any details here uh, about the importance of listening to understand the environment in order to really listen it starts with listening to understand the environment of the communication that is taking place. And her focus, of course, is on the human being, by the way. It's not about this or that specific listening interaction. It's listening in general, okay? As a human being and your ability to listen. So she starts from understanding the environment in which communication is taking place, then really listening to others. And so from there she goes to listening with an open mind. So you see the same themes. That's why I'm not elaborating on them. The same themes as we discussed before. So listening to others, listening to adopt an open mind, listening to heroes and their wisdom. And so basically she says, it's not about you. The more you, you are a good, full human being, the more you are open. 
And the more you are open, the more you are learning from others and so on and so forth. She gives a lot of importance to the past, learning from the lessons of the past. So being in that state of listening. And then finally, she finishes with listening to, yeah, we said uh, listening to heroes. So those who are people who have overcome things. And so they are inspiring to you. So listen to them as in learn from them, be open to what they have gone through. And then finally, she, she calls it li- learn to listen to silence. So this is also a theme that's going to come back. And this is, silence is the idea that, of course, it leads to meditation. It leads to deeper reflection. It's about you. It's about the inner wisdom. It's about what your, where your heart goes or where your mind goes when there are things that are heard. Where does your heart go? Where does your mind go? What does that mean? You explore that. Okay, you don't just let it go and you, you tune it out. Okay, you, you, that means something. You have to listen to it. So in short, that's the first book. A second book, it's called uh, The Sacred Art of Listening, 40 Reflections for Cultivating a Spiritual Practice. So this is perhaps the most new age of all of these books. This would be the one by Kay Lindahl. Uh, so the, the interesting part to me in that book was uh, the time she, she takes to talk about how good listening requires preparation. Okay, but of course, the more you do it, the more you you, uh, get better at preparing for listening, so it takes less and less time, or you get better and better at preparing for listening. And so again, she starts with be silent, if it means breathing, if it means calming down your mind, but basically, you want to be focused on what you're about to do. You have to know what you're about to do, which is I'm going to listen and listen actively. And in order for that to happen, you have to prepare yourself for what you're about to do. Okay, and then again, she talks about listening to yourself, inner wisdom, uh, and so she gives examples. So as things are being said, what needs to be said? You focus, you answer that. That's a question you need to think about. What needs to be said? What needs to be done based on what, it, what I'm hearing right now? And important, very important in that book, the idea of not multitasking right? That you're focused on that one thing, that you're not letting your mind wander and be scattered or doing other things while you're listening. Next book, Listen Like You Mean It. Okay, so if you're interested, I'll, I'll send you the, the author's name, but I'm sure you can find it, Listen Like You Mean It. Her name is Zimena Vinogochia, and it's a long name, and it's written in an even more complicated way than how it's spelled and, and uh, said. Um, so what she really is, is a user experience expert. Okay, so she is talking about her experience from her own studies when she has done research to see uh, she's a writer, she, she's an author, but her area of expertise, she does work in the IT world of user research. She's doing user research, user experience for those of you, the UX world. Okay, this is when you want to make sure that whatever you're designing, whether it's a service, whether it's a product, that whatever you're designing is going to be, this is what the users actually want. Okay, so a a little bit like the commercial applications and so on and so forth. So she talks about uh, how we must adapt listening. Uh, So human beings, she says, have, um, in fact, she labels them, she categorizes them. She says we have 11 different ways of listening. So first, we have to know them because of different situations require different types of, of listening. 
So which mode am I going to activate? Which mode am I going to use? So this requires understanding those and then quickly identifying which mode am I in. So I think this is perhaps a little bit too analytical. I'd have a lot of things to say about this. But I think the analysis of saying these are 11 different modes is very interesting. I would say in a, any real human interaction, if it's a complex interaction, uh, you're probably going to be in two, three, four, five of these modes at any given time, right? So it's not going to be very, you know, clean that it's just one mode for the entirety of, you know, a day or on the job, or you're probably going to go through a number of these, but there's still a lot of very useful information there. So uh, she, she, of course, makes the distinction between what she calls surface listening. So this is what she says is... Uh, you know, you're catching just enough of the conversation, but really it's being polite. This is what we talked about earlier. And again, it's going to come back versus empathetic listening. So this is when you're actually connecting with the human being. And this requires humility, requires curiosity and requires empathy. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to care enough to really listen. And then she goes into the 11 default listening models. Uh, and each of them has strengths and weaknesses. So you don't want to be using the wrong one in the wrong place. The last book in this category is called Listening Well. So the art of empathetic understanding and alaykum as salam wa rahmatullah. So the art of empathetic understanding by William Miller. Uh, so he's a professor of psychology. This is a very short, quick read if you're interested. Uh, so he starts by explaining that we're hardwired to understand others but this requires skill. So even though you have a human tendency to want to understand others more, uh, this is not just going to happen on its own. Uh, so he gives a lot of specific examples and specific exercises to work on those skills to reach a deeper listening and understanding. Okay, so next category of uh, books, and this is perhaps if... Um, no, that's not the one. I'll talk a little bit more. This is, I think, a very good book for a balance of theory and practice when it comes to uh, listening and as good for business as it is for personal and so on and so forth. The book is actually called Surrounded by Idiots. Okay, uh, so the four types of human behavior and how to communicate with each in business and life. So it's written by Thomas Erickson, very uh, famous book. So the idea is that human beings in general feel like others do not have the same level of intelligence as I do. Okay, And the reason for that is a misconception, is the idea that uh, you know, I'm assuming, I'm labeling, I'm saying, that that's the first assumption you start with, that I'm smarter. And the reason we often do that is because these are people who fall in perhaps different personality types. And so the book goes on to talk about, and this is the perhaps the most uh, interesting or important part of that book, and I think the most uh, relevant one, the most interesting one in that book, is that the books, are the uh, the personality types, this is a huge industry, by the way, today, in the business world, in the personal world, that human beings fall into these, what they call archetypes, okay? And there's, as I said, every company is coming up with four different ones. But all of them, if you notice, there's four big different personality types in the world. All of these come to, and this is the interest in this book, finally someone brings it back to say, we're not making these up. We actually took them. They've been around for more than 2,000 some years. They come all of them from Hippocrates, 
okay, who was a, a Greek physician, uh, and he wrote about the four types of human personalities. There, there's a whole theory that uh, what's happening in the body is that there's four substances, four humors, as they called them, and they need to be in balance. So the moment one of them, there's more of one or less than the other, they're no longer in balance, so you fall in a pathology, you fall in an illness. So there are physical illnesses, and they're connected, and you fall into psychological illnesses. And so you end up with the four personality types. So the choleric type, or in this book they call it the red, the person who very quickly gets mad, okay, in that world, but no one uses that terminology anymore. The phlegmatic, the um, melancholic, that's the analytical, the blue, and the uh, sanguine, so the person who, yellow in today's world, so optimistic and bubbly and charming and so on and so forth. So the book goes then into each one of these, explaining their strengths and how they differ, and the idea that the more you understand these personality types, the more you can adapt your message to your audience, to the person you're talking to, what you're trying to communicate. And each of them have very different strengths. Don't assume that because someone is talking more that they are too talkative or they want all the attention. Or someone who is more introverted, it's because you know they're, I don't know, they're arrogant or they're, uh, they have no personality. Or the more you understand these personality types, the more you get rid of those assumptions that uh, you may have. And there's so much more to say here, but we can skip over it uh, for a lack of time. The more philosophical and psychological book. So this one, if you know all of this and you want to go much deeper, one book I can recommend for listening around this is a book by Eric Fromm. So Eric Fromm was a psychologist, a psychotherapist, and a social scientist. He wrote a huge number of books. Many of them are actually not books. They were lectures that were turned into books, including this one. Uh, after his, his death, it was published as a book. Um, and so in this, the book is actually called The Art of Listening. I think I said that. So it starts with an explanation that to really listen, you have to meet two conditions and get rid of two obstacles. The conditions are that you recognize the other as an, having an equal right to you to have an opinion, to speak. And the other one is that you you are both in a trusting relationship where the person actually can say what they're thinking, what they're feeling without fear of reprisal and so on and so forth. And the obstacles are that the, the discussion cannot fall in absolute relativism. So the idea that there is no truth, because if you have agreed already that there is no truth, then there is no point in discussing anything or listening to anything or so on and so forth, nor pure dogmatism, where you know 100% that this is the truth, then there is no point in having a discussion because there is no point to uh, modify anything. Okay, so within that, he gives six basic rules for this art of listening to take place. The first one is that the basic rule for practicing this art, this is from the book, is the complete concentration of the listener. Secondly, nothing of importance must be on his mind. He must be optimally free from anxiety as well as from greed. I'm not going to go into these. They're just listing them quickly. He must possess a f freely working imagination, which is sufficiently concrete to be expressed in words. He must be endowed with the capacity for empathy. So this is an older book. But now you see all the books talk about empathy. This has been around for a while. It was just not a buzzword then. With another person and strong enough to feel the experience of the other as if it were their own. 
Okay? And then the condition for such empathy is crucial facet of the capacity for love. So this person, this of course, he's a psychotherapist and psychologist, so he starts from a very psychological place. Uh, and then finally, he says that basically you have to listen with the head and with the heart at the end if I want to summarize what he's saying. If I had one book to say the most practical, the most useful book on the topic that I have seen, uh, it's a book by a philosopher by the name of Mortimer J. Adler. And he was writing between, I don't know, 70, 50 and 70 years ago. He wrote a large number of books. He was very popular in his time. He was writing in the U.S., very, very accomplished. Um, and he gave a huge importance as a philosopher. He really focused on education. And he was saying that a lot of the woes and the problems in society is because education is lacking and the basic skills needed to live a good life are no longer taught by anyone. And so he actually had, he's the one who wrote the book. I don't know if you've heard the name of the book, the title of the book, How to Read a Book. Okay, that's an amazing book, by the way, very important. And so he has a book called How to Speak, How to Listen, which he wrote, I think, 20 years later. He has a lot of very, very, I've read perhaps 15 or 17 of his books. Um, they're, they're very useful, very practical. His focus is on the basic skills needed to think properly, to speak properly, to understand properly, to so on and so forth. Okay, so he has a whole philosophy of education in his writings. And so how to speak, how to listen is a great book for this. He basically brings it back to what Aristotle was talking about 25 centuries ago, which is the art or the science of rhetoric. Okay, and so he, he, he begins from there and he says, none of this is new, it's just a lost art. So this is this book was published in 1983, so when you see that there are books published today, you see a lot of the content is just recycled. Go back to the original and you'll see that a lot of it is already there. Okay, so he was very concerned with education, alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. Very concerned with education, the theory of education. He talks about the four skills of language, so how to speak, how to listen, and then how to uh, read and how to write in his uh, other works. And so... Um, as we said, he said that these are not works that are um, not, not skills that are taught today. Uh, and I'm not going to go into his whole uh, discussion of uh, the rhetoric and how he, he uh, breaks it down. The book is an excellent read, very, very useful, very helpful for anyone looking at a much more you know proper categorization. And I believe, I have not heard it, but I believe there is a short a shorter version of that book. Uh, the book is, I don't know, between 200 and 300 pages. I don't remember the exact length, but I know there's a less than an hour long lecture somewhere on, on the same topic if you want to listen to uh, the gist of what's contained in the book, Mortimer J. Adler. There's a bunch of other books. I'm going to not mention their names, but if you're interested, I can send them. I have another five books here that I, we can talk about. Allow me to finish in two minutes, three minutes with... This book that I thought was very different from everything else I had read about this, and I thought it could be very relevant for us too. So this is a book written by uh, a woman by the name of Lynn Bob, B-A-A-B, uh, -A -A Lynn Bob. It's called The Power of Listening. So she has a PhD in communications, interesting, but she also is a theologian. She's actually a Presbyterian minister. And she did work in a number of countries. She is, her focus is on 
understanding what we need to do in her world. It's the world of churches. But the reason I'm mentioning it is because I think it could be very relevant for us too. So she says that when she studied the scriptures, she saw that the scriptures, so the, the, the New Testament, the Bible says that you cannot do the real work of the, the mission, as they say, as a church. You cannot do your real work without listening to the people of your community. So in order to do that, do we have the skill set required to do this work? Alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. So she says she did interviews in a number of countries and she asked four main questions. What does it look like for your congregation? She calls it a congregation. So these are the people who are religiously active, who want to influence others in society. What does it look like for you to listen to your wider community? First question. Second question. What does it look like or what does it mean for the members of your congregation to talk to each other after they've listened to the, to the rest of society and to the rest of community? What do you do with that? How do you come to an agreement that this is what we actually heard and this is what we should do as a religious organization to meet the needs of the community? That's the second question. The third question, what does it look like for your congregation to listen to God for direction. In other words, where is God in this equation? We have heard that the community needs this. This is what we're going to do. We are now making sure that this is going to align with what God wants from us. And lastly, what are what do you think are the obstacles to listening to the community and to each other? Those are the four questions, and I'm not going to go in the rest of the details. I just thought the approach that she took could be very interesting, could be very useful for something that we could think about, adapt to our own needs, our own community needs, our own social needs. Uh, it gives us a model to work with. So inshallah, with this, we, are, uh, we can go back to the few points that are left in talking about the ingredients and the manners of the listener in Islam, and then we'll move inshallah to the teacher in Islam.